Good morning, everyone. God bless you guys for coming this morning. So let's just bow our heads in prayer. As you have your heads bowed, come before the King. One day, we're not going to have our eyes closed anymore. Because we're going to be in His presence and we'll never shut our eyes. But while we're in this world, we shut our eyes because we want to get rid of every distraction in this world and we just want to see Jesus as we pray. So come and lay your heart at His feet this morning. Whatever it is, wherever you are, you can trust Him. You can seek Him. You can pray to Him. Because while today is today, salvation is as close as your lips. Father in heaven, we come before you this morning because you are the words of life. We come before you because we're dependent on you for every breath. Truly, Lord God, you are the one who holds us and sustains us. We, Lord God, desire all of you, every part of you in our life. And if there is any, Lord God, this morning who doesn't know you, I pray that you would make yourself known to them. Even those, Lord God, who are wise enough in their unbelief to say, Lord God, if you're there, show me yourself. I pray you would speak to them this morning. That, Lord God, you would break every heart that resists you, Lord God, this morning, and that you would show them by the power of your grace how powerful you are, breaking through every darkness, every oppression. Father, we commit this morning into your hand that you would speak to us, cast the devil away from us as we sit at your feet, in Jesus' name, amen. I want us to talk a little bit about baptism, but more importantly, what it actually means and the message behind why people or Christians get baptised. And then I want to show you Eric's baptism that occurred um, Monday last week. But the baptism was beautiful because it's a commitment that people have decided to follow Jesus. And what baptism is, it's a picture, it's a symbol to the world that we no longer live, but Christ now lives in us. And we are buried and we are risen again because of Christ. But I want to turn our attention to Acts chapter 8, please. If you turn to Acts chapter 8 with me, verse 26. This is a passage where we see um, in a baptism, an early, early event in church history, one of the very first uh, baptisms that took place after Jesus Christ died and rose again. And then his disciples went out baptizing the world and all those who believed. And in Acts chapter 8, verse 26, if you have your Bibles in front of you, we read, Now the, an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Arise and go toward south along the road which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is desert. So he arose and went, and behold, 
a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who had charge of all her treasury and had come to Jerusalem to worship, was returning and sitting in his chariot. He was reading Isaiah the prophet. Then the spirit said to Philip, Go near and overtake this chariot. I'll stop there for a second, but let me just share with you what's taking place here. Philip, a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ, known as uh, Philip the Evangelist, because you see a lot of evangelism that takes place through this man's life, and not just evangelism, but quite miraculous events this guy um, performs. And there he is while he's witnessing and he's preaching and evangelizing, an angel of the Lord speaks to him and says to him, Philip, get up, go toward the south along the road, which goes from Jerusalem to Gaza. And strangely enough, after that comment, there's a full stop and then it says, this is desert, full stop. And we don't know who said that, I don't know if the angel of the Lord said that or the Holy Spirit wrote that. But it's interesting, go from Jerusalem to Gaza, this is desert. And I find it quite remarkable because it's like God speaking to people and He says, that I want you to go to Boracay for a holiday. I want you to go to New York to minister. I want you to go to Hawaii to be a missionary. And most Christians see that as the Lord's calling upon their life when they go to some kind of nice, beautiful resort for the ministry of the Lord. Or some desire in their heart that they've always wanted to see India, for example, you know, God's called me to go to India. But the calling upon Philip's life was, I want you to go from Jerusalem all the way to Gaza. This is desert. What it means is that this is a deserted place. There's nothing alive here. It's quite dead. You don't see flowers and gardens growing here. This is desert. And it's not this is a desert. This is desert. This is deserted. Which ponders the question, Lord... Why should I go? There's nothing there. Like I don't see people, I don't see life, I don't see anything, I don't even see a vision before my eyes, but there's a pressing of the Lord upon my heart that's calling me to go to a desert. And how many of us would go? Unless there's some kind of rational understanding, unless there's kind of some kind of knowledge that says, you know, yes, and then be inspired, or there's a gifting upon my life, and I'm, I'm, I'm gifted like this, and therefore that's why I can see God calling me to go there. But that's not what happens with Philip. Philip was a, a, a vessel in the hand of God who desired Christ to be known in the world, and he went evangelizing, and then one day he says, go to this place, this is desert. Nothing grows here. It's like the world. Christians are called to go out into the world. This is desert. Most of us enjoy licking the dust of the ground that this desert has to offer us. And we say, this is wonderful. This is beautiful. But God sees barren land. There's no fruit here. This is desert. And Philip is told to go, like the Christians are told to go. Go into the world. This is desert. Most of us, we compromise and we enjoy, you know. 
we enjoy the dirt and the dust and the sunburnt heat, and we say, this is life, and God says, this is desert. I remember my mother, she gave all of us, when we got married, a book. It was her way of blessing us. It was called Streams in the Desert. I don't know if you've ever read that book. It's a fantastic devotion. If you haven't read that book, go get one. It's a devotional. It's a beautiful, beautiful book. It's called Streams in the Desert because God puts streams in the desert. Because while the world is barren and thirsty, there's a stream that runs through that people drink from. And if they drink of this water, they find eternal life. This book called Streams in the Desert is a devotional, but there's a passage in it, and it says, every difficult task that comes across your path, every one that you would rather not do, that will take the most effort, cause the most pain, and be the greatest struggle, brings a blessing with it. God doesn't send you to the desert and expect you to starve. There's a blessing that's going to erupt in the heart of Philip and in the world in this desert. Now, Philip doesn't know this, and most Christians don't know this, till they listen to the voice of God and respond. Isaiah knew this. Back in the Old Testament, he says, Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Should you not know this? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. So are you barren? Are you dry? You're lost 2,000 years. Even till today, Jesus Christ is as live today as he was on the day of his resurrection. Today is the day of salvation. Those of you who are in drought, those of you who are dry, and those of you who are thinking this is life, there's a stream that you need to be drinking from. That stream is the living water, our Lord Jesus Christ. And so Philip responded to go, and he went unknowingly, because this is what faith is. Faith doesn't question the beauty and glory of God. Faith knows who God is, and therefore God is too good, too kind, that to take me to a desert and leave me there wandering in the wilderness... It was never God's plan for them to perish in the wilderness. It was God's plan to take them out of Egypt and to the promised land. But they had a lack of faith. They had hearts of unbelief. And while we have hearts of unbelief, we perish in the desert. We perish. But behold, there's something amazing in this place. That's what it says in verse 27. So he arose and he went and behold, look at this. Look at this, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch, extraordinary, in the desert. You know what this means? An Ethiopian, an Ethiopian who is royalty. It's like, it's like a whole picture of contradiction now. It doesn't make sense. He's not Jewish. He's Ethiopian. He's considered like a Gentile. He's considered like an outcast in the desert. But he has royalty. He has privileges. He's, he's the treasurer of Candace, the queen. To him was given the authority to look after the finances of a kingdom. In a desert? Because he was on his way to worship God in Jerusalem. 
Because Jesus Christ had opened the gates of heaven to the clean and to the unclean, to the Jew and to the Gentile, to those who were in the forest and those who were in a desert, to those who were in extraordinary lands and those who were in a, in a drought. The gates of heaven were open. But all things must be fulfilled. Everything must come to a completion. Everything must be perfect. God doesn't pull you out of your slavery and keep you in your sin. He pulls you out of your slavery to set you free. And everything must be perfect. Be ye perfect like your heavenly Father is perfect. Be complete. Be finished. Good work has to be done in you. And Philip, who gave his heart to the Lord Jesus Christ, had to be baptised. And how is he going to be baptized in a desert? <laughs> There's no water here. So God calls a man out to lead another man because this is what we do. There's a commandment of God that's pressed upon our heart to go out into the world and call people out from the desert and come and be baptized. Come, believe. And while it looks like it's impossible for people to live as Christians in this world, it's impossible to actually be baptized in a drought. It's impossible to live in the midst of this corrupted chaos. How can I live by faith in a world that's so materialistic, so possessive, so, so dark and so anti-God? How can I live? But God makes a stream in the desert and we drink from it, the living water, Jesus Christ. Because faith pulls down walls, parts the sea. This is what baptism is. Baptism is going from Egypt through the parting of the water to the promised land. That's baptism. They were all baptized like this. But not many of them. Not many of them reached to completion. Jesus, when he came before John the Baptist to be baptized, he goes, me, I'm going to baptize you. He says, yes, so that we can fulfill all righteousness, complete it. Perfect it. The Christian must come to be blameless before his throne, before they die. What that means is they must have all of Christ into their hearts. They must war a war and fight a fight till they're found dead, rejoicing, I have run the race, I have fought the fight. Then thou lays for me a, a crown of eternity for me, a crown of righteousness. I've got no worries, no concerns of this world anymore. There's no problems that, that bring me down or keep me enslaved or put me in bondage. And I've got to fulfill all righteousness. This is what baptism is. I have decided to follow Jesus. My life is laid down and I no longer live for myself. But when I come out from the grave, I now live for Jesus, my Savior, the one who saved me. You know how beautiful Jesus is? He's so beautiful. Listen. He won back the thief, the, the treasurer, the Judas, the corrupted. He won him back. And I think this is quite symbolic because he got him through this Ethiopian. What Judas failed to hold the money of Jesus, we see another treasurer coming and Christ fulfills salvation in this man's life. So any corrupt person, any thief, any murderer, if you come to Jesus, there's second chances. There's another opportunity. It's extraordinary. I think it's quite prophetic. 
I think this is quite prof- I find the book of Acts quite, I think the book of Acts is a book of prophecy as much as it is history. Study it carefully. The book of Acts is prophetic. This picture here is the prophecy of all the world who's going to come to the Lord Jesus. We're all Gentiles, we're all Ethiopians, we're all like Judas, we all betrayed him. But here we are now in a world that's barren. But we're living, we're alive. And he was castrated. A eunuch is someone who basically cut off any sexual relation, any intimate connection. And so he was castrated, that's what a eunuch is, and he was castrated for the service of the queen. Because the queen requires no other person than the full devotion of their servant to look after her needs. And so they castrate them. So they know that they're not going to go and steal and move away from their devotion for this purpose. That's what a eunuch was. He was a man bound to a system bound to a world, but then Jesus Christ came and he rose again and he set people free and he's a eunuch who was bound to the queen who went to Jerusalem to worship. Like you and I, we're bound to a system into this world, the prince of the air, we breathe him in and then we breathe him out. And some of us are still devoted, like we're castrated to this world. We still want a part of it. We still want to be in it. And that's the eunuch. But Jesus Christ says, no, no, you're going to be circumcised for me. We're going to cut off the world and you're going to be crucified to me. You're going to be nailed to me. When I was in Lebanon, there was a poet who told me to, to draw a picture, draw a painting for him and his poem, and it was about love. It was about a man who's crucified to a woman and a woman who was crucified to the man. Because their love was binding. He can't, you know, it was, it was, he can't live with her or without her and they're forever crucified together. And this is the picture of the Christian. I am crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but the life I now live, I live by the faith of the Lord Jesus Christ who loved me and gave himself for me. That's, that's what baptism is. I'm no longer attached to the world. I'm crucified to the world. I have nothing to do with it anymore. And this is what baptism is. See, the water is a picture of the ground. And the picture of the Christian is someone who says, I am going to be buried. And so they go into the ground. And when they rise again, they rise to testify that the life they have now is the life of Jesus Christ who rose them from the dead, just like he rose from the dead. Now listen carefully. If you, if you claim to be risen from the dead, then you must also claim, I lived like Jesus, dying daily to have been resurrected. Paul tells us this in the New Testament all the time. If you considered yourself Uh, alive in Christ, then you also have died with him. 
reckon yourself dead. That's baptism. And there he was reading at the heart of the gospel, the book of Isaiah, all about Jesus, the eunuch. He can worship God, who's in Jerusalem, but he had a, a lack of understanding as he read. He didn't understand what he was reading. And this is what's extraordinary. When God called Philip, he said to him, go and attach yourself to the chariot. Now, I don't know if you've read this carefully, but it seems to me there's something quite miraculous and something quite powerful that's happening here. See, verse 28, while he was returning and sitting in his chariot, he was reading Isaiah the prophet. Then the Spirit said to Philip, go near and overtake this chariot. Overtake it. Get close to it and attach yourself to it. Overtake it is the power of God in a person's life. Overtake it. Throw it off when he threw off uh, Paul off his horse. Cast it down when the, when the wall of Jericho came down. What, whatever you need to do, do it. Swallow it up when they had the whale swallow Jonah. Do whatever you do to overtake the city. And so here was Philip. I don't know whether he was on a horse. <laughs> it doesn't sound like he was on a horse. It sounds like he's just moving, walking around one place to another. And then God says, there it is, there's the chariot. Go overtake it. And it doesn't sound like he had his own chariot because what you read later is that they're both sitting on the chariot heading towards a destination. Because while they're heading towards a destination, the eunuch sees water and he goes, look, there's water. Why can't we get baptised? So I'll tell you what happened, something quite extraordinary. He actually, I think and I believe, he actually ran. Verse 30. So Philip ran to him. While he was on the chariot, Philip ran to him. And the power of God, I believe, overtook him. Crazy. You don't believe me? Well, don't believe that. Then believe verse 29. Then the Spirit said to Philip, go near and overtake this chariot. So Philip ran to him. Verse 39. Now when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught Philip away. This is, this, is a, this is like a supernatural, miraculous experience that was happening for the souls of people. And today, the same things still happen. They still happen. You hear stories. You hear, you hear how like, people... They don't happen all the time like that because they don't need to sometimes. But sometimes if they do, God is not bound. God will use anything in any way He, he wants. I remember uh, when I was in, in, the, in the city... Um, uh, witnessing to, in, in Federation Square and I'd go out and I'd pray and I'd say, Lord God, uh, bring someone I could talk to. You know, someone that, that you know, is, is a, your, your child, the one that you're, you're trying to bring, another eunuch. And when I was in the city, I was looking, walking around, like praying in my heart and I felt my shoe get loose 
like it was just loose. So I picked up my, my, my leg, put it on a, a ledge in, on Federation Square, and I started to tie my shoelace, just without thinking. And as I lifted my head, there was a person right there in front of me. And I looked up and I said, hey, how are you? He goes, hey, hey, good, how are you? I go, yeah, good. He goes, what are you doing? I go, oh, just going around talking about Jesus. And we started having a conversation until 1 a.m. 1 a.m. Dropped him off at home. Next following, I don't know if it's the next one or sometime after, I'm walking around Federation Square again, and I'd gone all night, hardly spoken to anyone. In fact, the people that I did speak to, minimal conversation, one ended up being an atheist, one ended up being, a, 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 I think, a, a Buddhist, or what, I can't remember, and there was no conversation happening. It wasn't going anywhere. So I left the conversation and I said, Lord God, give me someone, at least someone who believes in Jesus. You know? At least there's a, a, a ground of conversation. Give me, you know, give me someone who believes in Jesus. You know? And I'm walking and it was late and it looked like that evening there wasn't anyone. I thought, that's okay, Lord, it doesn't matter. It's not, about, uh, the op- it's not about the opportunity, it's about the obedience. If you call me out here and you send me out into a desert, it's cool, no problem, as long as I did what you want. So it was the evening around about, I think it got to about 11.30, it was time to go home, and I'm, I'm walking home, and I'm leaving Federation Square, and I'm heading towards Burke Street Mall, and I'm still praying, Lord, even now, if you still want... And I'm walking this way, but something's pulling my heart that way. And I felt my shoe loose. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not kidding. I'm not thinking about this. It's not like I'm thinking about it. I felt my shoe loose. So I bobbed down like this. And I'm just gonna, I'm ready to go home. So I bobbed down and I put my, down my shoe. And as I lift up my eyes, I see a guy sitting at the corner of Federation Square. And I look, and I had the prompting to go and talk to him. While I'm tying my shoe, the thought came, remember the last time you tied your shoe? I thought, oh, he must be the person I've got to talk to. So I went, and I sat with him. I said, hey, how you going? How you going? What are you doing? Yeah, I'm just waiting. Oh, yeah, you know, what are you doing? Oh, you know, I go talk to people about Jesus if they want to chat. He goes, oh, well, yeah, I'd love to talk. We spoke that night. What do you know? He gave his heart to the Lord Jesus Christ. Ivan. This is the power of God. This is not man. This has got nothing to do with us. God's miraculous work in people's lives. God's still doing what he needs to do to bring people, whether they're in the desert, whether they're in Gentile world, whatever. But the heart that yearns and longs for him, God will make a way. He will make a stream in the desert. Anyone who's thirsty, you come and drink. You come and drink. Now I want to share with you this video. This is, this, is, this is a miracle in itself. I believe this is the power of God. This has nothing to do with us. Someone around, uh, 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 away from Australia comes to the Lord and God fulfills His promise for him. So I want us to look at this video.
Before we look at this video, let's bow our heads in prayer. So whatever you heard this morning, whatever you heard me share, take that and bring that before the Lord. Ask the Lord, Lord, work a miracle in my life. If you're there, if you're there, then work a miracle in my life. Make a presence known to me so I know. If you're in a desert, wherever you are, whoever you are, God is merciful, God is good. Will you give your heart to him? And whatever the cost, will you lay your life at his feet? The Bible says, if you believe in your heart and you confess with your lips, you shall be saved. Anyone in this room who wants to know the Lord Jesus Christ, he'll demand of you your life. He will have all of you, not a part of you. He will have every part of you, not just a little. But do you desire him? Do you want him? Father in heaven, I pray, Lord God, that as we Watch this video that you would speak to our hearts, speak to our lives, and the commitment and the cost to fulfill all righteousness, to seek you and you alone above all things. We ask you this in Jesus' name. Amen.